Amen. And praise the Lord. I'm very grateful that the same things that God's been speaking um, in my heart over this past month has really been encapsulated in the Sunday school lessons, the songs, the teachings, the prayers. I'm very grateful that God has a purpose for us. We've been predestinated. We have a destination to go to, to be conformed to the image of his son and how, to, how God in his sovereignty and his wisdom and in his pleasure allows so many things into our life, suffering, trial, difficulty, misunderstandings, everything that's uncomfortable to the flesh. Now God made us and he, he tuned us perfectly. Sin made us out of tune. And yet God allows so many things to try us, test us, prove us, and allow us to have the opportunity to submit, yield, trust, and obey. Um, this song was on my heart this morning to read, and it's interesting you read it. Your songbook has three verses, but um, I have five. Be still my soul. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer, as I want to share with you um, somewhat of the nature Jesus, in the nature of God, the desire of Jesus, when he said, don't be offended, don't be offended in me, it means don't be upset at me, don't turn away from me because things don't go your way. And a little bit of a short summary, but there's an abundance of powerful truths in the scripture, and sometimes God allowed testing and trial that those that were sincere were tested and proved, those that were false turned aside, those received the seed and good ground. They brought forth much fruit. Those that received the seed in the stony ground or other ground, they were offended for the word's sake, and they gave up the word. And um, the King James Bible uses the word offend or offended, and sometimes in the other translations it might be translated stumbling or to cause to stumble or to stumble away from, some of those different types of connotation. But um, there's a few different interpretations of this word, the Greek word, but we'll focus mainly on these sets of scriptures as I share this truth about trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and surrendering ourselves to him. Brothers and sisters, God has a destination for us, a purpose for us. It's full of glory. It's full of power. And it's something that we can walk in right now in the fellowship of Christ. As my brother was sharing the practical exhortation communication this morning that he didn't, didn't want to suffer some of those struggles, don't want somebody stealing. I thought maybe I left my RV open, and that's back at the campsite, and I'm a little nervous, thinking the campsite is not the best. We have all of our life's documents there. In another week, we need those documents, not, not just for flights back to India, as we're going back to India the following week, but also all of our immigration stuff, and then it stirs a bunch of emotions on how I'm very angry with the American immigration and how we've been abused and stretched through the system, and finally, after years, we are being able to get citizenship for my wife and all of these little details, there's a lot pent up in that loss if the RV is to burn or get robbed. And my wife said something this morning before we left, like it's kind of nerve wracking or scary that we have all of our most important documents that can't really be replaced, especially the Indian ones. <laughs> that could be a big problem. And I, I thought, Lord, please give me such a heart of peace and rest that I can trust you. Because in the past, I love it when it's, the hand of God that's upon me. I can see that. I know that this is something from God. But when it's the hand of man, it's discouraging. It's frustrating. It's upsetting. When it's an enemy, when it's a friend, when it's a, a close companion, 
it's more painful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Again, Lord Jesus, we thank you that we know you. We've experienced your truth and salvation. We've experienced, Lord, the simplicity of the gospel setting us free from the power of sin. Your spirit indwells us and guides us and teaches us, revealing Christ to us and bringing comfort to us. And that's what you spoke to your disciples as you were departing. You communicated of the sufferings that were to follow, but the glory that would follow. And Lord, you've written it for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come, that we should take warning, that we should know of the sufferings of Christ and of the glory that should be revealed. And Lord, as we would choose to walk with you, as your disciples would walk with you, they would receive your spirit and your spirit would comfort them and guide them and teach them and give them wisdom and understanding in all things revealing you. So Lord, as you prepared your disciples for suffering by your spirit that brings comfort, Lord, would you prepare us, Lord, that we would gird up the loins of our minds and be steadfast unto the end, that we would be girded in the truth, that we'd be strengthened by your spirit, always rejoicing in the Lord always and in everything giving thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Lord, help us in such a situation of the worst difficulties that we would say, oh God, we trust you and we will obey you. We don't understand everything, but Lord, we don't need to. We know you. We know the goodness of your work and your kingdom. We trust you. Beyond hope, we believe in hope. Beyond those things that are seen, we believe in those things that are unseen. For those things that are unseen are eternal. And we thank you, Lord, through every difficulty in life. Lord, we are proved faithful. Or it's showing testing ground for the flesh to be exposed. In the area of self-nature, self-satisfaction, selfishness, where we're not wanting the will of God. We allow, Lord, your spirit to search us. And we surrender, Lord, in these trials. And Lord, as we muse through the scriptures now, would you bless us as we open our hearts to you? We pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we're not here looking at another. We're not looking at a brother or sister. We're looking to you, O Lord God. We're not here to hear the words of man, but O God, that you by your spirit would speak to our hearts, inspiring our faith, teaching us to pray, teaching us to seek your face, teaching us the work of God in Christ. That's now working in us the power of God that raised up Jesus from the dead. That same Holy Spirit of glory will also quicken our mortal bodies. And we thank you, Lord, that we can choose the spirit resisting the flesh as we are crucified with Christ. We thank you for the abundance of truth you've given us in your word, the strengthening and sharpening and edification of the house of God and the people of God and the blessing we have to fellowship in your presence and songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord teaching and admonishing one another. What a blessing, O oh God, of the spiritual truth that we've already heard, we've meditated on, and we thank you, Lord, you're preparing your people for great suffering, affliction, persecution, tribulation, distress. And yet, Lord God, in the midst of it, you are above all, and you are raising up this, um, in essence, Elijah company, the people who have heard from God that are powerfully filled with your spirit, that are led for your glory and walking for your glory and your will at any cost. And we thank you, Lord, that we are of that number. And that we, by prayer, can see the work and will of God. Lord, guide us in prayer. Teach us the essence of prayer and fellowship with you. Teach us to trust and obey. And we thank you for the glory that's found in fellowship with you as we seek your face and your kingdom, regardless of the circumstances or oppositions. We again now, Lord, pray that our hearts and minds would be girded with truth and that we would gird up the loins of our mind. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness and your mercies. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side.
bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend. Through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Thy hope, thy confidence, let nothing shake. All now, mistress, shall be bright at last. Be still, my soul, the waves and winds still know. His voice who ruled them well, he dwelt below. Be still, my soul, when dearest friends depart, when all is darkened in a veil of tears. Then shalt thou better know his love, his heart, who comes to soothe thy sorrows and thy fears. Be still, my soul, thy Jesus can repay. From his own fullness, all he takes away. Be still, my soul, the hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgotten, love's purest joy restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed we shall meet at last. Be still, my soul, begin the song of praise. On earth be leaving to thy God on high, Acknowledge him in all thy way, words and ways, so shall he view thee with a well-pleased eye. Be still, my soul, the sun of life divine, through passing clouds shall but more brightly shine. Amen. Now I know that here in this fellowship you guys have experienced, as I bear your burden with you, when it seems that all can be darkened in a veil of tears. Then shalt thou better know his love, his heart. That's a very sobering truth and yet glorious. Who comes to soothe thy sorrows and thy fears. Be still my soul, thy Jesus can repay. From his own fullness, all he takes away. We don't understand the workings of God. We don't know all of his ways and works. He plants his footsteps in the sea. We don't begin to comprehend what God is doing. Even in those things that are most uncomfortable for us. But we thank God that he will repay. The practical exhortation is to gird up the loins of your mind. Turn with me for a second to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. First Peter 1, 13 through 19. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What is he saying? You know the, the word parallel he's using, the gird up the loins to, to strengthen, to establish, to lift up and bolster your mind, right? Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life, right? A, a strengthening, an upgirding, a lifting up of beloved, Gird up the loins of your mind. Let us be prepared. I've been very surprised as I've heard from very many theological teachers that teach that um, we'll never suffer or we will um, be quickly just taken out of this world. We won't have any difficulty. They weren't ready for the persecutions that came in many countries and many generations, especially since a lot of new doctrines had come along some 70, 80 years ago, but I won't go there. Something very simple 
we need to be ready at all times to do the will of God. By pain, affliction, persecution, tribulation, or by blessing, encouragement, refreshing. The time will come when the Lord will come to receive his own. But the practical exhortation is this, and I'll bolster it more in a few moments. Listen carefully. Again, verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope unto the end, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The full and final crowning glory is coming. Be prepared and gird up the loins of your mind. Praise God. Verse 14. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts and your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The word of God is truth. Peter, as a pillar in the church, communicated the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, the sufferings that the church is going to go through. Remember, the Jews were expecting a triumphant, powerful ruler of a Messiah. They weren't wanting a Messiah who was going to suffer. <laughs> They weren't expecting it. And very interestingly, as we muse through these words in the issue of being offended, many, many of those most religious people, those greatest scholars were offended at the things that happened and the things that were said. And I think of that often, how many times we might be offended or shy or fearful to speak of somebody or of something if it's not popular. The ways of flesh can be very cunning, but God help us to be loving and bold, to be willing to speak out and speak up, saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. And many, the scripture says, many of the Pharisees and Sadducees were offended at these sayings. We'll go through many more, but I pray in the light of this, you would be prepared for uh, suffering and affliction and you would understand a little bit more of this training ground in fellowship with God and in giving of thanks. So I asked last year, and I ask you again, how is your love for Jesus? How is your prayer life? Is it vibrant? Do you have a love relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it a sweet and deep communion, or is it just a good religious tradition that you can keep on the clock, but you don't put your heart in it? Is your mind full of other things, or is it just seeking to be stilled before God and focusing on the things of God, filled with the word of God, musing and meditating on the truth. Beloved, God wants a relationship with us, communion with us. And those that had a system that was good, Jesus said they sit in Moses' seat. Those scribes, those Pharisees, they knew the word of God. They're like a merchantman bringing out of his treasures things new and things old. And he said, do as they say, but not as they do, because they say and they do not. It's not enough to do all the right religious tradition. It's most important that we know him. And then, oh, out of the abundance of the heart, oh, life will flow. And what is inside will come outside. 
But beloved, it's very easy to put on the right show at the right time. We know what words to say. Look to see who's asking the question, then we know how to answer it. Young children know how to answer the right questions to the right people. But when their friends ask them the same question, they give different answers. Beloved, it's time to search our hearts because we need to be prepared to examine ourselves in honesty, to be laid open. This is the simple practical application, and then I'll go into the communication and sermon, but gird up the loins of your mind. Be ready. Be prepared. Stand for the Lord. Seek his face as the delight of your life, and you will flourish. And be sober, right? Be clear-minded. It's very interesting. The scripture teaches of elder men and elder women and younger men and younger women, and they are all to be sober, to be very clear-minded, very intentional about why we do what we do and to be able to help and encourage others to that. That's the deepest, sweetest fellowship I enjoy when we communicate with each other and we have deep communion with each other and prayer and fellowship, right? Where we commune as brothers and sisters in the presence of Almighty God. I miss those times. You guys have those times all the time with each other, but oh, when you're away, oh, how we miss those times of prayer and intercession where the glory of God comes down and our hearts are revived and refreshed. Very interestingly, Romans chapter 16, verse 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Interestingly, God said that there are times that there are to be separations or cuttings. This one, speaking of, in verse 15, speaking of being holy and being separated and, and coming aside from the pagan world around or from um, those things that are not for the glory of God. Paul speaks and says, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to that which you have learned and avoid them. Sometimes there's distractions that rise up in the house of God. This was a church that he was speaking to. Again, in the book of Galatians, where they were challenging his authority. He said, I would they were cut off from among you. I wish they were cut out. These, these teachers that are teaching you so many other things, and yet not the things of Christ. I wish that they were separated from you. Cut them off. You know, excommunicate them. Put these, these false leaders out. And this is the cry of God to the church world today to, to stand on the truth, to gird up the loins of your mind and be ready to serve and glorify God. There are necessary communications of truth. When the truth is spoken, when the truth is taught, when the truth is studied, we all that love the truth will know and discern it in the word of God, in our reasoning, in our conscience, in practical application. We will embrace and walk in the truth as much as we see that this truth is from God and clear to the word of God. There's an intention for God in suffering, affliction, difficulty, um, the issue of being proved. Sound doctrine is examined. First John says they went out from us because they were not of us. If they would have been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. And the true church of the living God are those who love the truth and walk in the truth. And I'm very encouraged as I travel around the world, I find children of God. People that really love Jesus, they're rare to find in churches all over. We have buildings, we have people, and some people really know the Lord, and it's a deep, satisfying union that we have when we meet a perfect stranger. Right? You know what I mean. And when you hear somebody pray and you say, that person knows God. 
in prayer, they think, wait a minute, let me see. I know that guy, or I, I don't know that guy. But we have the same father. Well, as we choose to serve God, as we choose to walk with him, there's difficulties that come, and so one of those difficulties is the divisions of truth. When we're ready to crucify the flesh, when we're willing to submit to God and choose his will above our own, when we're willing to embrace the truth, very interestingly, those at Corinth had ex exaltation of gifts and of preachers and teachers, and some were teaching many contrary points. And I'll share with you more on the issue of offense, but listen carefully and as we keep going. <coughs> this verse that we just read says they're causing offenses contrary to doctrine, to the doctrine which you have learned, right? Causing a, a separation or a division or a causing something to, to be divided and chosen upon that's not according to truth, right? We know that some, some, you can say, church branches can be blessed by God and separations can be totally blessed by God when both parties will love and glorify Jesus and say, we choose to embrace these things and we want to practice these things as a family or as a church. Then God blesses it if families will love and serve Jesus, though they might have different convictions on different applications or scriptures or truths, yet they love the same Christ, they love each other, and there's not this anger and bitterness. There are some divisions according to truth that are necessary. There are some divisions that are totally needless, but there are, in these days, a lot of preachings and teachings that are not bringing unity according to the truth of Christ. And the sad thing is many people are not grounded in the word of God. They don't seek God and soak in the word of God to be discerning the voice of God. You will know the children of God by their fruits, and when they're tested and when they're tried, you will know them by their fruits. Beloved, we know one another and we see each other's struggles, sufferings. We see each other's honesty in failure, in weakness, in affliction, in distress, in trial. And there is an evidence that I am deciding to follow Jesus. I failed in anger or fear or unbelief, but I am not going to stay there. And that humility and honesty brings us strength in the church. And we all say, yes, Lord Jesus, I want to love you more, know you more, and obey you more. Do you understand where did that come from? That came from a secret life with God. Something real from Jesus. Because religion, tradition, ideas, theories, doctrines will not stand in the time of affliction. It is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't the abundance of bread and oil that was provided from God miraculously that satisfied the, the deepest longing when this woman realized there is death in the house. My dearest one is gone. This emptiness is there. And then when her son was raised from the dead, then she said, by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the words in thy mouth are truth. You're a man of God. The words of truth have come. Life has come. May God help us to be a people rooted and grounded in Christ, able to speak a word in season, and that those words are carried with a practical application in our life, that we have stability and gravity because we are known to one another. We commune with God. We commune with each other, and it's very evident. And when we walk with God, it's very clear. There's a testimony, and it shows in everything. <clears throat> Turn with me to John chapter 6, verse 66. I know you guys are much better preachers and teachers than I am, but thank you for suffering the word of exhortation. It's biblical. And I love your love. I love the fellowship and communion we've shared, and I 
I'm grateful for all that God's done here. But this is maybe more of a word to all of us for all generations to hearken to the truth and to speak it clearly and to discern what is necessary in this season. John chapter 6, verse 66. I'll read this verse and then I'll give you the backdrop again. You know it. But from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And Jesus is speaking about himself being the bread of heaven and that you must fully and absolutely only partake of him in order to go to God. He's declaring that I am that bread from heaven. I am the heavenly bread that without eating of it, you will not have life. These are people that followed with Jesus. They're called disciples, means they, they followed along with him. They heard his teaching. They attended his meetings. They knew the things that he taught, the things that he communicated. They knew directly, and they saw miracles and signs and wonders. And yet at a time when something came to them that they didn't want to embrace or that they were upset by, they gave up the seed of the word. They, they turned back. Many of his disciples turned back and walked no more with him. Let me read it again. John chapter 6, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and art sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Have I not chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. For he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Jesus speaks a powerful sermon. and Many people heard it but it touched them in a different way and they didn't want to receive, embrace. They felt offended. They felt frustrated. They felt discouraged and they missed the opportunity to even draw near because of their offense. They were rather angry about the things they understood that he said and the things that they didn't understand that he said, but they took a stand and they said, forget it. And we're walking away and not coming to him. The disciples even said, this is a hard saying. But Jesus Christ himself would be willing, as he did in other situations, to expound the hard saying. But there was an exposure of commitment. These were people that walked with him. They heard his sermons. They heard his communications. Peter made a clear confession. Yes, Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the word of life. We will not forsake your word. Though we don't understand and though there might be much difficulty, we still We'll hear. Peter was dealing with, as we read, he was dealing with the issue of suffering coming. Those people here were also expecting a deliverer, expecting a salvation. They were excited about the miracles. They were excited about um, the teaching. They were excited by the fascinating things they saw in diversity compared to the other scribes and Pharisees. Some believed on him. And there's a simple truth. Are we going to let Jesus have full control of our life or not? 
We're tested and we're tried by every opportunity in life, every moment of our day. Obviously, you know, if you love somebody, you really love them. It's not fickle. It doesn't just spurt now and you stop loving and you start loving. And we're not talking about the emotion. Emotions come and go, but the choice is solid. This, this agape love is a, is a love of choice and it's a love that's divine. It's something that God puts in us. And it's something that we nurture, that we edify, that we build up and we sharpen each other in that faith, in the practical expression of love. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength is the great commandment. And it is the work of God that comes through our life. And everyday training in this school of Christ is to that point that we would draw near to him, love him more, and learn to love each other. We need to be ready for suffering. We need to be ready for the challenge of wills. That Jesus Christ, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience through the things which he suffered. He chose to do the will of God, even when it was painful to the flesh. He proved and showed his obedience when it wasn't pleasing to the natural man. It wasn't a pleasure to suffer for suffering's sake, but to do the will of the Father. And beloved, God has great eternal plans, eternal, things that are abiding forever and ever and ever. And those seeds of opportunity for sowing are right here. In this very moment, we make choices and decisions. How will we live? What will we do? Why will we do it? Why do we pray? Why are we seeking him? Some came for selfish reasons. They wanted something from Jesus. They wanted blessing. They wanted healing. They wanted some good, great thing as they heard of all of his mighty works. Many came for many things. But when it got too hard for them, they gave up the seed. You know the parables. You know the scriptures. These religious people were there. They heard and they were hoping to add to their stature and religion, of course. But yet what Jesus spoke crushed their hope. You can't have and hold to and trust in salvation through the law, all the law of Moses and everything that's being taught. Unless you're really willing to follow God truly from the heart and surrender now to Christ, this living bread. Unless you fully partake of me, you don't have life. They said, well, this is our standard, this is our, this is our tradition, this is our heritage, this is who we are and why we are. And yet, in the midst of the right, things that God had given, they were not willing to embrace the right. Why? Because they didn't love God from the heart. They just started to trust in something else. Something else. They trusted in something else. Beloved, it's very easy for us to trust in many things. Great leaders, great personalities, great preachings, great um, teachings, and so on. And yet... There's an individual choice that we all make to love and serve and obey Jesus. Do you understand? And sometimes that choice to love and obey Jesus is even some practical. How do you treat somebody else? Do you despise them? Do you hold anger? Do you hold bitterness? Do you hold unforgiveness? How do we communicate and conduct ourselves? Are we going to hold on to things and still act very nice and spiritual, right? I mean, that, that covers every detail of life. Are you going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? What does it mean to be holy and to be separated? It means a life that's guided by the dictates of the Lord Jesus Christ. And a holy heart and changed heart will bring forth its fruit. And you'll know them by the fruit. And the days of persecution are very intense upon us, especially in other countries. Here it's intensely increasing, but not many are getting beaten and killed for Christ yet. Maybe next year, but maybe this year yet. 
It's coming intensely and quickly here. But what prepares us for that? We don't worry about that. We don't take thought for the morrow. We rejoice in Jesus today and say, God, the same God of glory that I know today, he'll be on the throne tomorrow and I know him. I know who holds the future. And Lord, I know you and I trust you and I obey you. And the Holy Spirit bears me witness that I have been separated from those things and I'm not holding on to sin, unrighteousness, bitterness, anger, hatred, wrath, strife, sedition, so many, so many ungodly fruits that we read of, of the fruits of the flesh. Well, these were expecting something. They wanted something. And many times people come to Jesus for healing, blessing, success, and fame, and so on. Intentionally, that's some drawing points. Many sinners in India hear the gospel because they couldn't be healed anywhere else, so they come to the church. Sadly, many preachers are not preaching the gospel to them, so they're not being saved, but they're healed. Physical healings, spiritually dead. Well, that's why I came to Jesus. I wanted blessing. I wanted a new life. I wanted healing. I wanted a changed heart, a changed life, a changed mind. I wanted something good in my life. And though it was a point that drew my interest because everyone has a hunger and desire in their heart and a you know, God-shaped vacuum, something that only God can fill in the human life, the soul of man, Though I was drawn and heard something that, oh, God might do me good and change me and, and do all these great things. I heard of his promises. I realized later as God would convict of sin and of judgment to come and of the glory of God, that this is what he's done for wicked sinners like me and that he is worthy to be loved and obeyed, even if he doesn't give me a happy life and blessed family and, and comforts and, and success and every other thing that I had heard of. A lot of people might start the path on the wrong way, desiring the wrong things. But in the time of shaking, the true children of God will unite together. The true children of God are seen. And so I pray that you would be walking right with Jesus in secret and that you would be girding up the loins of your mind and that you would be ready to be able to speak a word in season. Be ready to share with others because a lot of church people just have not seen an example of, of godliness, of beauty in, in fellowship as a family and, and family life and truth and conviction and encouragement and, and doctrine and stability and purpose and just a gravity of truth. Very, 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 very few churches have that. Very, very few families have that. But beloved, we have that. A stability of truth a blessing and practical application on many levels that wipes away the, the fluff and stuff of natural emotion and I, me, and my, or whatever excitements that can come about. And we see this all over. And I break and I weep for it, and I know the children of God do too, but God help us when we're just full of entertainment in the house of God, the house that's to be a house of prayer for all nations, a house of God that's supposed to be the house of healing, a house of God that's supposed to be a place where God is present and the truth is there and reviving and refreshing and fullness and life flows. And deep healing, physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, revived in the presence of God. That's daily glory that we experience. And that's the fellowship of the house of God, the people of God together. And that's something we can never forget. In the times of suffering and affliction, the people came together and prayed. They saw James killed. And then all of a sudden, Peter's thrown in jail. And they prayed continually. And God opened the prison doors and let him out and led him to the prayer meeting. But they had something different and they were being prepared. And then when persecution fell, then they were scattered everywhere. 
Beloved, I pray that you're ready. We've seen a lot of exciting, crazy things over these last years with COVID and with nations and with wars and so on. People's hearts are failing them for fear. And we can encourage them. The worst is yet to come. If you're a sinner, the worst is yet to come. But we can encourage them that the glory of God in Christ will abide forever. And we can know him and be rooted and grounded in the truth. And we can say, none of these things move me. There's something different about us. We don't panic like the world panics. We don't conduct ourselves the way the world conducts themselves. Because God's put in the heart of man the fear of death, knowing in the conscience that sin is evil and things are wrong and things are right and every man's going to give an account. And God's given that truth in the conscience and the reasoning and God gives witness in the word of God. Now these religious people who came to Jesus, they were offended. Those that had followed with Jesus, blessed and whatever other things they had heard, seen, experienced, maybe many healings among their own people, among their own group, and yet they were offended now at a point of truth that he spoke. And they just, well, gave up the seed of the word of God. There's divisions and offenses that come. As we read in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. So there's religious leaders that we mark, we, we take note of and we separate from and have no communion with them because of the divisions and separations that are not according to truth. It means that these offenses, these, these causes of stumbling were not of God in truth. These were just issues of self and flesh. Some leaders, okay, we're talking biblical leaders, biblical preachers and so on. We're causing divisions and offenses, the same in the church of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verse 11. And I, brethren, if I preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. The offense of the cross. A time of stumbling, a separation, a division, a causing of stumbling. Paul could have said that, yes, though we have exercised and practiced circumcision, we have testified clearly that salvation is not going to be found through the law of Moses, but only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And circumcision and our committing of a circumcision was not testifying that the gospel needs to be only enjoined to the Jews with the circumcision and of all of the traditions that must be kept, the laws. If he said, if he preached all of those things and the cross, then he would have said the Jews would have loved and embraced him. There would have been no separation. There would have been no suffering from the Jews because of the cross. But he testified by the grace of God that this is the true gospel that I preach, that it is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ for any sinner who will repent and believe. And the gospel of grace was preached that sinners can be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ only, not by the right laws, the right traditions kept, but all of those things pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he gives more laws and commands than any of the Old Testament ever would have. Now he rules in your heart, and oh, he might speak billions of things to you. Praise God. He might minister many things to you to walk in and to do and not do, to think and to not think, to watch and to not watch and touch and not touch. And sometimes in wisdom we speak those things among each other and we discern something new. Jesus didn't say, don't touch a cell phone. 
But yet wisdom gives us guidance on what to use and how to use it. And as it's spoken, it's witnessed by the word and by the spirit. And we say there's a biblical principle that's in application there. And a brother spoke it clearly. And we say, yes, brother, that's good. The Holy Spirit brings a lot of law to the heart. If you don't like that word, whatever. It's, it's, it's a stability. Simple truth in application. Some things are binding. Some things of solid doctrinal truth will abide forever. The solid foundation of the gospel that can't be changed. And many, many principles and truths that were taught by Jesus were to be spoken and commanded. Very quickly, I know I have a short time here. What time do you guys end? 12? Listen carefully, okay? I know you know the word of God. I know you know these scriptures. Paul says to Timothy, these things command and teach and exhort. Again, we read of Abraham that God said, I will not hide this from my friend Abraham, knowing that he will command his children after him and instruct them. Communication was made, commandments given, speech was given. Guidance was communicated. Now, what makes the difference between godliness and biblical doctrines and um, choices of practice and separation and clothing, conduct, music, and you name a million points that could be spoken in the world? What makes a difference by law or by spirit, by truth or by emotion and dictatorship? You know, it's very easy when people are in rebellion, they can say, dictator, dictator. You're trying to tell me what to do. What do we need to do to communicate right things to our children? Obviously, we could just say, just follow Jesus, say a prayer. (laughs) No, no. Not just hand them a rule book and say, here's the rules. What do we do? We live the truth. Because if you're really going to be teaching and providing a solid foundation whereby your children won't be offended, we live in the truth. And we teach our children, that we are not going to allow anything to deter us from Jesus. Children, we are not going to go in that store. We're not going to see those things. We're not going to listen to this. The music that's playing, we're running out of the store now. Why do we watch what we watch? Why do we do what we do? And those things are practical teaching points. And as you give command to the children and communicate to the children, you teach them the why of what we do. The biblical principles instilled again and again. The word of God in stability and in truth. And every level of life and practice with observation, with teaching, with understanding, with new revelation of the spirit, with the word of God, stability is provided. Now, I thank God I'm speaking to you now that have children and that have had a a life in that type of condition where you've heard the truth. We're talking about this this week. What a blessing it is when the children hear and learn the word of God. And how much more blessed when they see it in practice. And how much more glorious when the church is shining like a pillar, like a lamp, like a lighthouse in the world. Not just look at my tradition, come to my church. Come to my Jesus and here's some solid truth. Then people see. That's something that intrigued me about some families in the church and other families. I've been to a lot of churches. When I was saved, I had been to more than 200 churches in the first year of being saved. And I saw and met some people that really walked with God. Some people. I'm sorry to say out of the tens of thousands of people probably that I met, some really shined with the image of God. And others, as I asked questions to church leaders, um, song leaders and music leaders and things like that, how is your life, your walk with God, your prayer life, your love for the word of God? And 
the testimony by and large was, well, you know, I'm not really, you know, not really seeking God in prayer. I'm not seeking him in the word. All the different prayer movements and music movements and all of this stuff that was going on and all the leaders I talked to testified the same. No, I don't have a love life for Jesus, really. You know, and I spoke to them lovingly. I'm not trying to interrogate and, and I want to hold something against you. I cared and just prayed with them. And, but you're leading. You're leading in music. You're leading in the church and you're just full of sin. Pornography and not looking at the Word of God, not caring about the Word of God, not caring about prayer, and yet leading the services. God help us. This is our generation overflowing with sin, and yet the religious performance must go on. Now, I know I might be preaching to the choir, but it's heartbreaking to know that out here we have thousands of churches. How many people love the Word of God? Find them. Search them out. Find any church people. Go to other churches and say, hey, yeah, I'm just... I was in the neighborhood or I'm just passing through or just wanted to come and visit and meet some more families around the neighborhood. Oh, go and penetrate with some salt and some light and here. And they say, why are you so strange? And what about this? And why not that? And people learn some practicals. But there's something very strong and clear when it's seen in the life. And that's how we will train and guide. We're preparing our children for offenses and separations and divisions that are necessary and that are not. Some things are not. You'll communicate it by truth. When your loins are girded up and when you are stable, you'll be as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lusts and your ignorance. And you'll be able to train your children how to be obedient children. And so, yeah, we do expect children to be obedient, but we want to also teach them why as they grow in wisdom and understanding. Not just because I said so and I don't know what else to say to you and I'm just angry right now, just, you just listen and obey. No. But beloved, there's a, there's a character that carries with the people of God. If we walk with Jesus, we have character. God, help us to have a vision. We're prepared for suffering. We're prepared for affliction. We're prepared to love Jesus. We're prepared to reach out in society. How many rehabs do we have around Cheyenne? We just did a Google search on it. We have very many, right? How many people have been able to reach out in the rehabs? Maybe it's been a long time for some of you, but we got to reach people with truth. The only thing that sets people free is the truth. And I came from the gangs and streets and drugs and alcohol, and Jesus saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. We need to preach this gospel everywhere. Let the world hear it. And don't be afraid of their faces and their tattoos and their woman's hair and stuff. Just love them and go and speak the truth lovingly and naturally like you would any other sinner. Because every sin is wicked and evil. <laughs> and we just need to speak the truth in love. And you'll be amazed because sadly they don't have much of that example. And sadly when they go in the church, some people are like, ah, you don't match our church standard, get out of here. And they won't actually connect and communicate and teach and guide and see if there was any bit of sincerity. There's others that don't even care to reach out and others that just say, let's just entertain the sinners, keep everyone happy. You're living in sin, no problem. We got music that'll cover your conviction. We'll make you as happy as can be. You can enjoy church and still live a life in sin. That's the common modern day gospel, like I said. I saw it again and again and again, and it's something that really God used to shape me. Some fiery, clear preaching of David Wilkerson and some clear exposure of truth that shows sin. And I started to discern my own heart and why I was selfish in the beginning or, or just desiring something until finally I came through to Christ. So yes, there's a lot of selfish reasons why people want to come to Jesus. And yet as you communicate truth to them, it can lay a foundation for salvation, the word of God. 
The same with healing. Oh, you're sick? Well, I'll, I'll pray for your healing. God heals the sick. And yet, your spirit is sick and in separation from God, and you can be perfectly healed and still go to hell. So if you will repent and believe Christ, you can be saved from a life of sin. And if you don't, you go to hell. I warned you. Now I'll pray for you. Maybe God will heal you. Do you understand? Not just a touch of the body, but a blessing of the soul. And sadly, all the churches around our area in India see great growth. Wild, loud music and parties, and then they'll pray for the sick. <laughs> we see people sick, keep sick people healed. And yet the atmosphere is nothing for the glory of God, and the preachers are not at all living for the glory of God, known for corruption, sin, wickedness, rebellion, corruption of every sort. And yet healings and miracles happen. So I think we need to be humble and holy, and we need to trust God and believe and obey and pray. I know you guys have seen miracles also, but oh God, that we would walk more in love with him and go and meet sinners more often. Meet them where they're at and communicate truth. Okay? As I'm sharing with you, I'm praying that your heart and mind will be prepared for the persecutions to come. But also that we are standing on the truth and we're willing to make divisions according to truth. And yet we love sinners so much, we're willing to confront them where they're at to lead them on to Christ. Fine, you don't have to come to our church, but if you don't repent of your sins, believe on Christ, love the word of God in prayer... You're going to go to hell. And I'm loving you. That's why I'm telling you. So practice saying that, okay? Practice simple gospel truth. And then you can package it in a million different ways when that opportunity opens the door. Then you're ready with your arrow and you can shoot. Gird up the loins of your mind, you yourself. Guiding and training by practical example. Obviously, all of us as a church will do that with each other as well as to other Christians, to encourage them to love and know Jesus more and to see things that are valuable. The scripture says <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, woe unto the world because of offenses. Very interesting biblical truth. Again, if thy hand offend thee, will you look at me, look with me quickly as we look at the communication of the offense or stumbling block or separation point? Matthew chapter 18, verses 8 and 9. Matthew chapter 18, verses 8 and 9. Like, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. Better that one of your members should perish than that your whole body be cast into hell. Better to enter into life, halt or maim. Beloved, we need to be willing to obey the truth and separate from self and sin at any cost. The selfish nature, I, me, and my, and our desire for our own wants, our own comforts, our own blessing, our own success, our own fame, and so on, so on, so on. Jesus speaks saying, woe unto that man by whom offenses come. So who is causing offenses? What offenses should there be? What divisions should there be? Beloved, if there's anything in your life that's breaking the heart of God, if that's something that's causing an offense, turning your heart from Christ, you're choosing something else. Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Very sad on how so many things, very sad on how so many things can be communicated 
encouraged, given into, that expose our departure from loving God, where um, selfishness, laziness, vanities, and so on can just take priority over the things of God. And this generation is very fast, right? We have um, the internet and um, digital things, and we can study, and we can put our mind quickly together and take notes quickly. I'm probably more, more digital than all of you. Okay? I'm intense with the computers, and yet it can be distracting, right? It can be. Sometimes I have 100 good thoughts in my head, and I want to write it down, and then when I go to write it down, my brain wiring takes over and I short circuit somewhere else and I start writing something else and I miss the thoughts that I had. There's a lot of things that can happen, a lot of things that we can do and use, but beloved, everyday choices prove where our priorities are at. And if you continue a practice of poor priorities, it's going to show. And sadly, it doesn't show until it's too late. The last one to see the failures is us, we ourselves. The first ones usually to show those are our spouse and our children. And what we train them by our practice, not merely by our precept, really rings. So God help us to live in the light of eternity. To really be a people prepared, walking in truth, purposeful in what we're saying, purposeful in what we're doing to sow seeds for eternity that we won't ourselves be an offense to our children or, or causing of a stumbling for our children. That we won't be an offense to each other to stumble, to give no occasion for the enemy of the Lord to blaspheme, to give no occasion to be a stumbling block one to another. Whether eating or drinking, we do all for the glory of God. And if eating meat make my brother to offend, I'll eat no meat while my brother standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Why? Because we have an eternal vision. And we want to sharpen each other in love for Christ and his word. And as we do that, you know very well that we're strengthening each other, we're edifying each other, we're building up one another. And the Lord God is glorified. <clears throat> Jesus Christ spoke of this offense very many times. He said that um, because of me, all of you will be offended this night. He told his disciples, you'll be offended of me. You will depart from me. But Peter answered and he said, though all men be offended of thee, yet will I not be offended? I'm not going to be one to be separated from you, Lord, even though everyone else might be. Jesus said, all of you, all men shall be offended because of me. Again, all of you shall be offended of me this night. That was Matthew 26, 31. And then again in 33, he uses the same word. The issue of apostasy is very clear around us. The issue of turning aside is very clear all around us. And God will test those who are true and those who are false. He'll test us with very many things, but opportunities prove clear testings. Will we separate our hearts from Christ? When the Spirit of God, like our brother was saying, is convicting of self and whiny attitudes and complaining and doubt and unbelief and stubbornness and we're offended and we don't want to repent or we're fearful and we don't want to give praise because we're ornery that things didn't go our way. Those are all opportunities. Jesus said again and again, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And the testimony of the last days is that many, 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 Many shall be offended, betray, and hate one another and turn away from one another. Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. You can turn with me there. Matthew 24, 10. 
speaking of the afflictions, tribulations, the sufferings, the wickedness of man increasing and the persecution of the people of God, the culminating of all things towards the end times in the last days. Starting from verse 8, I'll read, All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all, men, all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Verse 12, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Verse 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Beloved, we're in the evil days that God has spoken of. And we need to open our mouths loud and clear to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to rebuke one another, to speak plainly one to another because we are serious to open our hearts and lives up on the table and examine by the word of God and by love to say, are we living godly? Do we love Jesus? How is our conduct? What are we doing? How are we doing it? And we communicate that to other Christians, professed Christians. Whether they're real or not, we can talk and open our lives and hearts before them. We can share truth. We can encourage one another. We can ask questions like that. If our heart is right with God, we know it because his Holy Spirit bears witness, and we know that we know that we know him. And if we have areas of fear or doubt, we have clear counseling with each other to strengthen one another. Sometimes some people are weak, and they, they, they think something is sin when it's not, or they think that they're doing something wrong when they're not. And sometimes there's issues that need to be counseled. And yet if we don't begin to reach out to other Christians, how are people going to hear the true gospel and come to loving Jesus more than just the tradition, more than just the, the lights and show and drama and whatever else they're experiencing in the church? How else are sinners going to hear the truth of the gospel if we don't communicate it? And in these days, we're going to see this increase of wickedness. This is the beginning of sorrows. And people will betray one another. And you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I mentioned before to you the seed of the word of God. And because of offenses, the word is cast off. How about your eye or your foot? Is there anything that's causing division? Many, many are going to be hating the truth in the last days. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the love of most, shall grow cold. Look around you. Is there a love increasing for the things of God? That's where we need to keep stirring our hearts. And that's why unashamedly we would want open, humble communication with any and all that we come in contact with. Professed Christians, God bless it, let us meet and talk and share and encourage one another to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand? Intentionally asking questions. Let people lay their heart open if they're willing to seek God and pray and enjoy his presence. If they're really loving Jesus, it'll be evident. And may we encourage one another. May we find professed Christians and ask the same questions. How is your love life for the Lord Jesus? What is God doing in your life? What is God speaking? What is God ministering? And here, are they, are they sincerely born again or are they not? In the days of suffering and affliction, most of the church world is going to be swept away. Then how do we know that we're walking in the truth? And how can we help others to know? Such simple questions and communications can help people wake up to responding to the truth. The scripture says that they'll hate one another and they'll deliver you up 
again, a seed that fell on the stony ground. By and by, when tribulation or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, they are offended. When difficulty comes, they choose to cast off the seed of the word of God. Is there any area of your life that you are willing to cast off the seed of the word of God because of offense, because of a challenge to your selfish nature, a challenge to the flesh, a challenge to your conduct, a challenge to your uh, authority, your way of communication? Anyway, the word of God speaks. Are you, are you finding any place that you are just not willing to hear God speak or you're not willing to let him touch areas or you're not willing to speak the things that you know that he would have you to speak or to do the things that he would have you to do? They're offended for the word's sake. Sometimes in public, people are afraid to say some certain words because they don't know what to say. Don't know what to call this person. Is it a he or is it a she? We can't even tell by observation. And we don't even want to talk to them because it's so strange out of the ordinary. Right? And we're afraid to preach some words in the streets because somebody might beat us and kill us because of misunderstanding. Is there any offense? Just search your heart. How about in the daily time with God? Do you, do you come to the word of God or is there just other things that are a stumbling block to you? When difficulty arises for the word's sake, you say, oh, Jesus, we're gone. Difficulties come, a challenge comes, a choice comes to us. Are we choosing Christ or self? Opportunities to waste abundance of time and you know I'm wasting my time on just endless whatever it is, Facebook scrollings or or some videos and some nice things? Am I just wasting endless time? When I feel the Spirit of God saying, stop and seek me. Or we've already hardened our heart and we just say, no, I have liberty, I have freedom, I can do what I want to do, and I'm just going to do it. And my, what fruitlessness can come. And we just give up the seed because we just don't want to embrace. My heart breaks for the lack of spiritual maturity that we have in the church. Worldwide, God help us. God, heal us. But if you'll embrace the seed of the word of God, you'll bring forth 30, 60, and 100 full fruit. Wisdom, understanding from God and by his spirit. And that's one thing that we will learn and we'll understand more his love and his heart as we trust him and as we suffer, as we are prepared for the difficulties that arise, the practice of, well, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, you know, putting to flesh the, the natural man. Doesn't mean we walk around like a, a sadhu wearing some dirty clothes and full of ashes and sackcloth and saying, I'm a holy man and I'm mourning. No, but it means a discipline in life that we choose what's good and what's holy, what's profitable, and we're not willing to turn back from anything. Can I challenge you to search your heart and take a few seconds to think of anything that really is diminishing a fiery zeal in your heart? Can I challenge you to ask you, do you have any areas that you're not zealous for God, that you're not fiery, that you're not passionate? I'm not talking about personality types. I'm not talking about sensation and emotion. I'm talking about practical evidences of zeal. Even the quiet, humble, meek woman will scream and shout and run through her house throwing things if the room's on fire and her child's in the room. Very sweet, quiet, and humble. But she'll run and scream and throw and snatch that baby out because she's got a clarity, a purpose, and a revelation. And it's sad that we are lacking such fruit in the spiritual life because of just being casually indifferent. It's casual. Sinners are going everywhere in sin. They're dying. They're going to an eternal hell. God loved them. And he sent his son. 
He loved us and he saved us. And we love them and we seek them. We seek and save the lost. I wish we could do here what we can do in India. If you have some drunk person, the family can call and say, my husband's beating the children or he's throwing a fit. Come and take him to the rehab. And you just come as the, the rehab people and you just take him and grab him by force and bring him in the van and bring him to the rehab. And when he sobers up, you say, well, you're here for a while. <laughs> I don't know how much I agree to it, but hey, it was really fascinating to meet a lot of these people bound up in a rehab saying, I'm here. I need to get right. My life is destroyed. They won't let me out of here until I'm changed. Now, of course, we minister truth in those settings, but it's very interesting. I think that we should go and pursue sinners, communicate truth with them, ask them how they're doing, meet them at their house, fix something broken, visit them. Say, hey, we're here, uh, the cleaning crew. Here we've got our cleaning supplies. We're just doing some voluntary work to bless our communi community. What can we do to help you? We've got our plumbing tools, we've got our electrical tools, we've got our painting tools, we've got our uh, clog fixing or leak detecting. We'll, we'll help you. You understand? And you guys are incredibly skilled in every area, right? There's a lot of things you guys could do. You could take uh, two hours in a house and a team and totally clean the place up and fresh it up. Have you ever been in a sinner's house around here? It's so dark and gloomy and they don't even know it. They're just used to it. <laughs> My, you could go in that place and in hardly a day you could fresh it up and bring light and life and they'd be like, it feels like a new house and all you did was clean and paint one or two things. I might be joking a little bit and I might be sharing a lot of scattered thoughts on that matter, but it's practical love. And if you're consistent in the secret place, you'll be consistent in the public place. If you really love Jesus, you'll have the loins of your mind girded. You'll be ready and you're willing to grow at any cost. Right, we sing that song, deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus, daily let me grow, higher, higher in the school of wisdom, more of grace to know. Deeper, deeper, though it cost hard trials, daily let me grow. Amen, higher, higher in the school of wisdom, more of grace to know. Oh, deeper yet I pray and higher every day. And wiser, blessed Lord, thy precious holy word. Well, I thank God for the blessings this town has had and the work of God that God's done in this town in my own heart, the fruits we've seen in many lives. And I pray that you guys will be effective, prepared for suffering and ready for service and you'll be amazed and you'll be able to guide your children in so much more wisdom and the church will be guided in strength and ready to be able to minister to sinners and yet not be just trying to entertain them. And they'll come for what they see you have because they see your life. They see your families. They see your, your homes. They see the way you live, the way you conduct yourself. It's not just some religious thing that you do at church. The world will see that we're the children of God when suffering and affliction comes, and yet we still love him, we worship him, we seek him. Even when all is darkened in a veil of tears, we have a hope that abides. The song says, nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross that raiseth me, still all my song shall be nearer, my God, to thee. What cross might the Lord bring to your life? Or what loss, or what suffering, or what affliction? Can you say that I pledge my arm to heaven for the glory of God? If my arm should get cut off or amputated, or if I lose my arm, still, Lord, I will glorify you with one arm? Can you say, Lord, even if I lose both arms, still, Lord Jesus, I will glorify you? If I lose my father, my brother, my sister, my wife, my children, my house, my land, 
all that I have? Can I still say, Lord, even my own life also, Lord, no turning back? We want to calculate our gains and losses in the light of eternity. Jesus, take my life, take my all. The loins of my mind are girded. When I was getting married, communicating the gospel to my wife, communicating sacrifice and suffering and service, I said, do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you love him uh, to serve him and sacrifice for him? Sure. I said, okay, well, if you love Jesus, you have to love him more than your mother and father. That was a sobering revelation. She had an intimate love with her mother. She said, I have to love Jesus more than my own mother. Take a time sometime and reflect. Is there anything you are holding on to like that and you won't let go? And when you count the cost and you say, Lord Jesus, I give my limb for your glory. I give my head for your glory. Father, mother, brother, sister, houses, lands, wife, children, my own life also, I lay it down. Because Jesus said, if you love anything more than me, you cannot be my disciple. And many were offended when he spoke and they left. It's a challenge that always comes to us because it's a way of a litmus test. Do we really love him, right? Not emotional, mushy love, but a love of choice and a love of action. Jesus didn't go and say, teach people how to be emotional. He said, go and teach them to obey all things that whatsoever I've commanded you. Teach them to obey. And especially obeying the gospel truth that this is finally the point. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And if you disobey that point, you're lost. But oh, as you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll guide and lead you for his glory. And he saves sinners from the guttermost to the uttermost. And now it doesn't matter where you're at. Whether you're a strong, godly, holy Christian, perfect and flawless, and not one word has touched you of what I said, still the choice in your heart should be, Lord, still I want to be closer to you. And Lord, again, I count the cost. And I want to glorify you. And if you're backslidden, lukewarm, half-hearted, or not fully yielded, if you haven't entered into spiritual wisdom, freedom, glory, and maturity, you can by a simple choice to say, Jesus, I surrender all. And I'm willing to sacrifice my liberties. I'm willing to sacrifice my pleasures, my comforts, my hobbies. I'm willing to sacrifice everything, Lord, and take even seasons of praying and fasting to isolate, to communicate with you, and to share love with others. I'm dedicating and consecrating myself for this purpose. And what we dedicate, God can consecrate. Gird up the loins of your mind and be ready. But let it be this testimony that you can say it. Nearer my God to thee, even though it be a cross that raiseth me. Still all my songs shall be nearer my God to thee. May we really have such a, a blessing. May we really find the comfort that's found in Christ. May we share that with each other. And may we continue to gird up the loins of our mind. Let it weigh, let it be done with once and for all selfish living, quenching the spirit in that way or anger or doubt or unbelief. Common questions that arise when people are fearful or disobedient or angry or just even laying questions before God. God, if you're so loving, then why do you allow such and such? There's a lot of things that will come through our minds and flood us. Lord, if you really love me and I'm your faithful child, why would you allow this affliction upon me? Why would you take the beloved of my soul? Why would you uh, allow my life to be broken in this way? So many natural catastrophes, disasters, and so on. And yet, the Lord asks only one thing, love and trust me. We just remember these solid points of truth. Jesus, I love you. You alone are worthy, and you will take care of all things.
even though it might be the most intense, agonizing trauma and drama that might drag on for years and years and years, the Lord will take care of his own. And he'll finally reveal it on the judgment day, what he was really wanting to do. Some might come for selfish reasons, but God by his spirit will help sort through those things and bring people to the choice of yielding and submission for his glory and his honor and his kingdom and not ours. And then in that walk of submission and grace, they'll be blessed. Some men's sins are open beforehand, coming to the judgment. Some they follow after. Some people are turned away quickly because their selfish desires aren't met. Others are exposed at the judgment when finally those sinners are cast away because they didn't love him with all. We're reading of a lot of different people in the church that were evil. And they were to be thrown out or cut off. Paul said, they trouble you. They distort the gospel. He said, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached. Let him be accursed. Very interestingly, very many times in the Bible, we read of these that were afflicted, suffering, many false leaders that rose up, very many, that we read of in the New Testament. Different things they taught to lead away men after the comforts of the flesh, the satisfying of natural desires, uh, worldly standards, false communications. The book of Corinthians was full of sin, yet they had great miracles. They had a lot of leaders that rose up, and they started slandering and criticizing and cutting down Paul until Paul was a, just pushed aside. And he said, are they claiming to be ministers of Christ? Right in your church, in your, among the churches. And he said, I more. And what did he go on to testify? In stripes more abundant, in prisons more frequent. A night and a day spent I in the deep. Forty times received I, uh, 30, three times received I, forty stripes save one in perils of waters, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils of false brethren, again and again and again and again. He says, these are my credentials. Faithfulness and suffering. I still love Jesus. If some people have been offended in these things, don't let them be offended. I've also suffered, and God's grace is sufficient. Don't let them be turned aside for this. Interestingly, in his whole communication in that chapter, he does, again, use the word offend. Give no offense. Let us not cast a stumbling block before the people of God. Let us show an example. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We pray application. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, your word stands solid and true. And we thank you, Lord, that we can know you in your word and be soaked in your word and to follow and obey by your spirit in our everyday application to practically love you and to practically love each other. And Lord, we thank you for great stability and preparedness that comes to us as we trust and obey, every day seeking you, every day willing to do your will. And oh, how much more glory would flood our lives as we would be more intentional, more deliberate, more sober. Lord, we're not looking at man, but we're looking to you. We're not looking to tradition or works or certain habits or styles. We're looking to really seek you in the word of God in prayer to be obedient. And Lord, you alone are searching our hearts. You test us by pains and pleasures. How serious we are to set our face to Zion. How much we'll press on. How much we're willing if we'll endure, or if we'll cast off some of the seed of the word of God because it's too costly, 
Men might never know. It might not be a salvation issue, and yet we can compromise in ways that dull our understanding, stunt our growth spiritually, bring us to leisures of immaturity. Oh God, would you please teach us to pray, teach us to love, teach us to obey, that we might pass on glory and fire to the next generation and the generation following. In these evil days when people will be delivering up each other, brother will be delivering up brother, and houses be divided against themselves, and people given over to death. But Lord Jesus, you have such a blessing for simplicity in love for you. Fruitfulness will abound. Grace and peace and wisdom and practical application of truth will just flood naturally like springs of water. By the Holy Spirit who saves, washes, cleanses, and changes us, the same Spirit revealing Christ in us and revealing Christ through us, the same Holy Ghost of glory guiding and convicting us, and as we trust and obey, we grow in the wisdom of your Spirit. We suffer difficulty, we suffer trial, we're prepared for the last days of sufferings, and yet we can testify with Paul that none of these things move me. Still I'm willing, and I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound in all things. For greater is he that is in me than, in he, than he that is in the world. We just thank you, Lord God, that you desire us to be girded, and you gird us up. You desire our minds to be girded about with truth, and you've given all the truth in your spirit to speak, brothers and sisters to communicate, warn, reprove, exhort, teach, to embrace sound doctrine, to walk in the simple doctrine of truth, whereby we might lay solid doctrine upon solid doctrine, truth upon truth, as it is all the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we know and serve. And step by step and brick by brick, we build on the light of eternity. And one day the fire will try that house built, our works of whatsoever sort it is. And I pray, God, that you would just prepare all of us to be building a heritage, building an example, building a house that will not crumble. No fire shall try every man's works of what sort it is. And if a man's works abide which you have built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And Lord, we want to live such a life to communicate truth to other sinners that they might be saved and enter into fullness. Enter into the glory of God and the power of Christ and the full transformation of life that only you can bring. We have the best news the world could ever hear. And not only that, but we know you who has given the news. And it's a relationship they can have with you and they are worthy of such only because you have loved sinners. Therefore, we lay down our life for sinners also that they might be saved. Therefore, we love you and we prove our love by our practical application, how we care for sinners, how we share the gospel, how we pray, how we use our time, how we use our money, how we let our minds go. God, we prove in all things, whether we're stumbling at the word, being disobedient, or whether we are embracing the truth unoffendedly, unashamedly. Lord, we want to embrace your truth more. We want to embrace your word more. We want to see our hearts more, that we might respond and repent. We want to grow spiritually because we long for your church to shine, and we are a part of that church. Please, Lord Jesus, glorify your name in practical revelation of the truth that's so poorly spoken today, my lips stammering, weakness of flesh and mind, and yet, Lord, your word is truth. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak deeper to our hearts through this week. A practical application of truth, that we'd be zealous and we'd have a compassion for multitudes, multitudes in the churches even that are on their way to hell. 
that we would have compassion to search out and communicate truth, even if people say they're Christians and they go to such and such a church, that we would communicate deeper and share the word of God to say Jesus saves from sin. Jesus saves to grow in a relationship with him. Do you have a relationship with Christ? Is it evident by the way you use your time, your energy, your mind, your money? Is there evidence? Is, oh God, that by your grace you might use us to speak the words of truth, to stir up the church of the living God. And when we find Christians, they'd be ignited to love you more. I pray, Lord God, that you'd have mercy. So many have preached so many things and yet won't deal with sin. And so few Christians have heard about repentance. So few churches preach about the wrath of God. How glorious you are in your holiness and how you'll save sinners. Would you please heal the church worldwide? Would you cut off? We would they were cut off from among you, as Paul said. Would you separate, Lord, those false preachers and false prophets that comfort men in their sins? Would you raise up true preachers of righteousness to speak the truth whereby your Holy Spirit might save men and that they might know that they're the children of God? Would you help us, Lord, to love you and know you in every aspect of our life to shine your image? Would you give us such stability and wisdom to pass on fire to the next generation? How to sow into our children. How to sow into the lives of our grandchildren. Almighty God, we need wisdom from on high. An evil generation is discipling from every section. Every angle, the devil's shooting his arrows. But, oh God, all the more we want to be, the more fortified, the more wise, the more humble, the more obedient that we might be a voice in the wilderness and even in the wilderness of our own families that there could be glory and grace shed abroad. God, would you please bless all of us. Bless your church to take the word of God in hand and speak it in truth, to live it in passion, proving that we've girded up the loins of our minds, that we've known you, we've loved you, and we've obeyed you. Would you help us in this generation and would you raise up a generation of these prophets who would be clear in speaking truth? Bless this time. Thank you for your love and mercy. In Jesus' holy name we pray.